Today's shir will begin at the very top of Daf Tzadi Tes. Before we begin the shir, we glance at the side where we see a Nosei Mivneh heading. The Nosei is the topic heading and the Mivneh the structural note. The triangles that appear in this source represent Gimel Mikrim, three cases, Shel Chalitza, Misofek, uh, issues of the Chalitza ceremony done under doubtful circumstances, Lenoshim Hoasuroslo. As a result of a doubt in each case that will be described, we end up having a situation where a person will be doing chalitza with a woman that is actually forbidden to him. You'll see Li'imo. He'll be a a son will be doing chalitza with his mother. Lachoso, he'll be giving he'll be doing chalitza with his sister, Libito with his daughter. Now the Tanaic source with the cases. The uh, source begins, Tanu Rabbonah, we've been at the top, Yesh Cholets Li'imo Misofek, there is a situation that will be described as someone doing Chalitza with his mother as a result of a doubt, La'achoso Misofek, with his sister as a result of a doubt, Lubito Misofek, and with his daughter as a result of a doubt. In order to navigate through the Gemara, we will attempt to take advantage of diagrams that will accompany this section. So now we start with the Emo Misofik. Ketzad, regarding Emo Misofik, how, do, how does that come to be? Emo V'Ishacheres. So we feature a, uh, 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 two women, V'Lohen Shnei Zechorim, and they have uh, two male sons. V'Chozru V'Yoldu Shnei Zechorim B'Machbe. And then on a subsequent occasion, these two women had two more sons in a cave. Uh, Machbe is in hidden the cave, but it represents a situation where confusion will arise. It's dark, the babies get switched around. Uba bina shel zu, venosa imoi shel ze, uvena shel zu, nosa imoi shel ze. And the a son of one of the ladies came and married the other lady, and the son of the other lady came and married this lady. Now, in order to appreciate that a little bit more, we have a diagram on the side, and the diagram is taken from Rashi. The names that we've put in are found in Rashi as well. So you have one couple. Uh, the title of the diagram, you can say, is Le'imo Misafek. One couple is Rochel and Yankiv, and there's a, an, another uh, couple, Chano and Reuven. Rochel and Yankov have uh, a, a child, Yosef. That is a, uh, we'll say, a known uh, son. And Chano and Reuven have a son, Chetzron, who is a known son. Knows that they are certain. Then each couple, as mentioned before, uh, has a Zohar, a, a boy, Bemachbo, in the cave. And they get switched around. In other words, we possibly switched around. Now, stage one, in our uh, Yavomis charts, we will, you'll see uh, slash marks through names, which indicates death, and you'll also see a numbering uh, sequence. The numbers indicate order of events, so that on a rather static chart, you can actually uh, appreciate a progression of events. So, in this story... The first stage, you see Yankiv and Ruvain, they die. 
Now, of course, these are people that have children, so there's no question of Yibum at this point. Upon their death, notice there's a number two, which indicates, there, there are two uh, lines which indicate marriage. First, you see uh, between Rochel and Chetzroin, and a marriage between Yosef and Chano. That's the second stage. Now, with these marriages, the Chetzron and Yosef, they will die leaving no children. At that point then, you have men that died leaving no children. Their brothers have to do Yibum. Now, their brothers are those Zohar B'machbeis that you can see indicated on the chart. So these Zohar B'machbeis are going to have to now they don't know uh, they don't know which one is the widow of their brother. In other words, there are two women, but they don't know is this my brother's wife or is this some stranger's wife? Now if it's some stranger's wife, you can't go and marry her because she is bound to the to the uh, brother of her husband. So that's called Yevomalashuk. So to suggest that, that either one of these fellows, the Zohar Mahmes, can do Yibum, that is out of the question. So if we go back to the Gemara text, Umesu Bonim. Now that line of the Gemara is referring to the stage where Chetzron and Yosef, they died without children. In order to release the widows, Chano uh, and Rochel, so that they can marry someone else, uh, the, each Zohar B'machbe will do Chalitza with both women, Rochel and Chano. So that uh, each Zohar B'machbe is certainly doing Chalitza with his brother's wife. Now, in the process of the Zohar B'machbe doing Chalitza with both of them, so each one you can see on the chart it ends up doing chalitza with his mother. Nimtza kol echod vechod cholitz liimo misafik. As a result of the doubt, you see a son is doing chalitza with his mother. The next case, laachoisoi misafik keitzad. How are we to understand that case where a brother is going to be doing chalitza with his sister as a result of some doubt? Imo We have uh, also, for this we will uh, try to make use of a chart uh, diagram uh, on the side. So you have a case of a woman and uh, two women uh, that uh, gave birth to women, to girls in a cave. Uba'u achehem sheloi me'oisa ha'em v'nosum and their the, uh, their brothers that were from a different mother and Mirza Shem will have a chance to look at this on the chart. Their brothers from a uh, that is the uh, the uh, brothers. We used a pronoun, uh, their brothers. When we eventually look at this case on the chart, uh, we'll be able to focus in on who that 
pronoun was a reference to. But in the meantime, uh, we uh, see in the Gemara that uh, their brothers came, uh, brothers from a different mother came, the Nasum, and married those uh, those girls, those daughters that were born in the cave, that were that got mixed up. And these brothers died without children. So the surviving brothers, the surviving brothers are going to have to do chalitza with each one of the girls. Being that each one of the girls is their, is their brother's wife, the only problem is we don't know which girl is the wife of which of, of the actual brother. So Nimsa Cholates Laachoso Misofek. The result of this is Chalitza done with one sister out of doubt. Now as we said that we have a chart, let's take a look at our diagram and see if this will improve our appreciation of this case. So we have uh, under the uh, heading Achoso Misofek you can see there are two, we'll say, two families. Uh, there is a, uh, a mother, an Aim, and an Av. And that Av marries another woman, the Aim. And on some other occasion, that woman had been married to another man, Av. And that same setup you see on the other side. Now, in this case, uh, the, so- the story started off with a, uh, two women that gave birth to two girls in a cave in, in a hit, in a hit, under hidden circumstances where they got mixed up. So on the chart you can see we have Bas encircled, you see Bas Aleph and Bas Beis, the Machbo they were born in a, in a cave. The uh, in this family unit the, the Bas, each daughter there has a brother through a common mother. That you can see uh, just by looking at the chart. The squiggle underlined Ben is a, a brother to the Bas, each one of the Bases. Now that's important to note that each Bas has a brother. It's a brother from a common mother. In this family setup, those uh, the, the, the bends that we squiggle underline they were the uh, reference we made in the source to their brothers in other words these fellows have brothers they're the ben that you see in the diamonds and it said their bends they are their brothers from a different mother so that the squiggle underline bends have brothers the fellows in the diamonds but their brothers through a common father, not through a common mother. The fact, though, that they are brothers through a common father is very important for the halochas of Yibum. So now that's the setup of the family. And what actually happened? The diamond bends, you can see in each case, the diamond bends are not related to those girls. I hope that's clear. The Ben has his own set of parents. And each girl has her own set of parents. So there's no problem in a, the diamond Ben marrying the encircled Bas. So that takes place. They marry. And you can see, uh, you see that on the next part of the chart. 
and they, then those bens die, no children. Now, if, if that be the case, so the their brothers through the common father, the ben that you see that we had squiggle underline, those are the brothers of the ben that you see in a diamond uh, through a common father. It's their obligation to do to do. Uh, the mitzvahs of Yibum Chalitza. The only thing is, he can't. He can't do. He can't. And, uh, uh, no one Ben can do Yibum. Can mar- can marry either one. Why? Because the second that one marries, he might be marrying the wife of the other fellow, not his brother's wife, but the other on the other side, the other guy's wife. It's it's not that's the po- that's the point that is unclear because of the mix up of the women. So that the uh, surviving brothers will have to do chalitza each one of the surviving brothers with both women, and that's what those uh, lines indicate with the arrows on them. Ben the first Ben does chalitza with bas aleph and. Uh, with Bas Beis, and the second Ben will do Chalitza with Bas Aleph and Bas Beis. But in the course of this, you can see that a Chalitza is done with one's sister. Just to go over the Suffolk from a different vantage point, each one of the Bens that are doing Chalitza, he knows that one of these two women is his sister. He just doesn't know which one. If it, if it was his actual sister, so he wouldn't be doing chalitza because she's not a candidate for yibum. A, a brother doesn't marry a sister in order to accomplish yibum. But since there's, an, there's this element of doubt, each surviving Ben, their brother, each surviving brother doesn't know. Is this woman his sister? Or is it a, an unrelated woman that happened to marry his brother. So as a result of that, we insist on chalitza, and as we said, you have a brother doing chalitza with his sister. Let's go on in the Gemara text. Levito mi ketzad. How do we have a situation where a father ends up doing chalitza with his daughter because of a doubt? So we uh, continue in the text. Ishto the isho acheres shioldushte nekevos b'machboi. You have a situation where a uh, a man uh, and uh, and another woman uh, gave birth to girls in hiding in a cave. Ubo achehem v'nasum. And the brothers came and married these girls. And then the brothers died without children. And the result of that, with the, the brothers dying, now those brothers had married the daughters respectively the daughters of the of their brother an uncle can marry a niece the only problem is is that when looking at each girl we cannot establish a definitive connection between the girl and the 
surviving brother. In one of the cases, the surviving brother is actually a father of one of those girls. Now, again, that might sound a bit confusing, quite understandably. Let us, as a result, let us take a look at the diagram that we have. And again, this diagram is taken from the Rashi, and the names that appear are found in the Rashi. So, under the chart headed uh, Libito Misafek, you have, uh, you can see there's Ruvain, who's married to a woman, Isha, and Ruvain has two brothers, and they appear in diamonds. The Ruvain uh, and, and this woman father a girl, and she gives birth to her in a cave. That's Bas B'machbo, call her Aleph. There's another couple, Kolev and his wife, they father a, a they uh, bear a child, Bas, in a cave base. The brothers of Reuven, each one marries one of these girls. Now, he, uh, each brother of Reuven doesn't know is he marrying his niece, which is okay, or is he marrying a stranger. But that's what happened. Then, Ruve, then these brothers die, leaving no children. The brothers of whom? They were the brothers of Ruvain. The brothers that, are, uh, that died, leaving no children. Ruvain is their brother, and he, is, he has to uh, take care of the mistress of Yibum. Now, can he do Yibum? No way. Because one of those women happens to be his daughter. He doesn't know which one is which. The other, the other girl, the other girl has to be freed. She's currently bound to Ruvain. She's uh, the daughter of uh, strangers. So uh, Ruvain is a surviving brother to the, hus- the the deceased husband of that girl who was born to strangers. Ruvain has to see to it that she gets released. So he's got to do chalitza, but as we said, he doesn't. If if he knew which was who, who was whom, so with his daughter he wouldn't do anything, and the other girl he can actually marry, but he doesn't know who is whom. So Yibum is out of the question. So what is Reuven going to have to do? Reuven is going to have to do chalitza with both of them. So uh, using the names, Reuven has an obligation to release the daughter of Kolev and his wife who married one of Ruvain's brothers uh, and through this as we explained already through this you end up having Ruvain doing Chalitza with his daughter we turn back to the Gemara and also on the side we have a no say a topic heading uh, which reads we're going to see uh, that, that at times you can end up having a uh, a man and a woman uh, bearing, uh, birthing, or you're going to see it's more a case of producing five different nation forms. When we say nations, you understand we're not talking about uh, seats in the UN, but rather different categories of people, as we will see. Tanya, Horia Rabbi Meir Oimer, Ish Isha, a man and a woman, Palmim Shemolidin Chomesh Umos. They can uh, at times be responsible for uh, creating five uh, nations. Ketzad. How can you account for that? Yisrael Shalokach Eved Veshivcha Minashuk. Falohen Shnei Bonem. A Jew bought 
uh, two slaves, a woman, a man and a woman. Two, they're slaves. He bought them from the public, from from the market. And these two slaves happen to have two children, two sons. Uh, these sons were were born uh, before, of course, before this Jew bought the Eved and Shivcha. One of those sons converted. Well, at this point then you have the that son is a uh, the son that converted is a ger and the other one is a Gentile. He didn't convert. Hitbilon l'shem avdus The owner then was Matbiol, uh, had immersed in the mikveh the evidence and shikha that he bought. He bought them from Gentiles. And now he immersed them uh, in order to impose upon them the status of Jew, of Eved in halacha terms. We mentioned the term slave before, and the term Eved appeared before, but when he was an Eved, a slave owned by a Gentile, he has no connection to Torah and mitzvahs. However, a slave that's, that's been immersed in order to impose Torah slave status, that imposes on the Eved laws very similar to the laws that a woman is obligated in. So he took the, this, the, this Eved and Shifra that he bought and was toivel them, immersed them. It's a form of conversion, but it's a conversion in order to reach Eved status. V'nizgiku ze lozeh. And they had relations and, uh, uh, with one another. So, Harekan, now you have, uh, a, we take a tally of what we have. You have a, a ger, that, that couple that he bought, that the, that's the couple we dashed, underlined in the source. The, so the couple that he bought had produced a, now a, a, we have a convert, we have an, an, an idol worshiper, the Eved, and the, uh, the children that they bore after they were immersed for Avdus. That's the... Uh, that those are the children uh, after their tevila. So now, how many nations does that account for? Three. Shichwer es hashivcha ubo oleha ha'eved. The owner then set free the shivcha. That makes her into a full-fledged Yisraelis, a Jewess, and the the uh, eved who he didn't send free is still a slave. So and and he had intimacy with the shivcha. The now she's a Jewess. That union creates a child that we call a mamzer. Harekan. Now the tally is ger v'oved kechavim v'eved u'mamzer. That's the mamzer is the child that this shivcha produced after she was mishuchreres. So now you have this same couple producing four different kinds of people. Shichur Shneim, the Siyun the owner now sent free the Evid as well, and had them marry. So now you have two Jewish people marrying, Karei Khan, 
the new uh, the new result, the new, the new child is going to be a regular Jew. He's born from a couple that had been made into Jews. So the offspring is a Jew. So that's the final tally. And all of these come from that original Eved Veshivcha couple that we had dashed underline on the third line of the source. The Gemara asks, My Komash Molon, what is the purpose of this source? In other words, the information of the source is fairly obvious, even without a formal uh, Tanaic source, just with your general knowledge of Halacha, you could have come to this conclusion on your own. What is revealed in this source that I might not have known? So the Gemara answers, That is the point that this source reveals. And we uh, also had dashed underline this. We didn't explain earlier why we did that, but now you can see at the point in the source where you see Hashivcha, we want to simply to focus your attention on the shivcha that really she's a Jewess at that point because she's been freed and an Eved has intimacy with her the result was Mamzer that you see is dashed underline at the end of the next line in the text of the source so the source is telling us that point that a, a uh, Jewish girl that has uh, intimacy with either a Gentile or a slave the resultant child is a mamzer. We've encountered this point of view uh, n- n- numerous times earlier in the Masifta, and we've mentioned in the past that this is a, a point that when it comes to practical halacha, you'll see uh, other opinions other than that which we learned over here. But in Gemara markings, we always mention that make the disclaimer that we do not deal in our shirim with applied halacha. We're learning the Gemara, which is the basis, the root of the halachas, but it's not the applied halacha. We continue uh, by glancing at the side under the Nosei, the topic heading, and it reads as follows, Yesh moichir aviv subasa. A very strange sounding situation, but it will become uh, realistic as we look into the Gemara, but we're describing a person that sells his father in order to get cash in order to pay the ksuba that's due to his mother. So you have a son selling his father, getting cash and using the cash to pay off the ksuba due to his mother. Well, how could that be? Tonu Rabbonah. There could be a situation of a man selling his father in order to have his mother's ksuba paid. The ksuba, I hope everyone remembers from previous sukkis, the ksuba represents the, the, the financial guarantees that a woman receives upon getting married. There are more details to ksuba. There's an entire masikhta about that. But for our purposes, we're dealing with the, the basic uh, 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 value or cash that's due to a woman in the event that she either becomes a widow or is divorced. So, in order to pay off the ksuba, we're, we're going to describe the case where a, a son is selling his father. Ketzad, here it is. Yisrael lokach eved v'shivcha min ben a Jew bought two slaves, a male and female, from the market. They had a son. Now, the son this Jew did not buy the owner 
uh, freed the shifcha, and he free after freeing the shifcha, after freeing the bondmaid, she becomes a Jewess, and the owner, the Israel, married her. So you have a a man marrying a woman, the Omad Vikosov Kolnichosov Livna. And the husband assigned all of his properties, uh, set up all his properties as a as a as a source of collection for her ksuba. Now, the uh, all of his properties now left the, the all of the properties are set up as a source of collection uh, for her ksuba, and they were transferred. That's Kosav Kol Nechosav Livna. He he then wrote all of his property to her son. So he assigned his property to her son. Now, we emphasized a moment ago that his property also is duty-bound, is actually a lien in order to pay off, there's a lien upon his property to pay off her ksuba. But now what did he do with his property? He assigned all his property to her son. The son, of course, is that uh, fellow that the uh, Yisrael never bought. We can say he's a Gentile. Now, when the Yisrael, either, either he dies or he divorces the woman, the woman has a, a, has a, has a right to collect her ksuba. Now, what's she going to do? She's going to turn to her son, who is the owner of all the property that, in effect, was a was uh, was a upon which there was a lien for her ksuba. So she turns to her son. What is the son going to do? He doesn't have cash to pay off the ksuba, so he's going to start selling off the property that uh, his mother's uh, husband had assigned to him. Included in his property happens to be the slave, i.e. his father. It turns out then you have a son selling his father, who was that slave, slave, his slave is part of the property, in order for his mother to receive the ksuba payment that's due to her. Again, you have the similar question that we raised before. We have a source here that doesn't seem to reveal anything surprising. What's the chidish over here? What is it telling me? Two answers. Number one, Kulo Rebbe Meir He. The previous framed section, you can see, uh, had uh, had opened with Rebbe Meir. So what uh, we're informed here is that this framed section is. A, which happens to be a continuation of the source that had begun with Rebbe Meir, that this is also in accordance with Rebbe Meir. Now, what shitas Rebbe Meir regarding financial matters? The avda metatali, umetatali mishtabdi luksuba. Shitas Rebbe Meir, uh, unlike the opinion of others, is that portables, and an evid is an example of a portable, that portables are bound. Uh, there is a lien upon them, a man's portable holdings, in order to pay off his ksuba debts. So that that opinion that metabdalin are meshubad are 
uh, are bound, are a lien upon, Meshubah means there is a lien upon them to pay off the Ksuba. This idea that Metaphalin are subject to the lien for paying off a Ksuba is something that Rebbe Meir would hold. Now, other opinions say that when people uh, enter debt, and people are money is due to be paid to others. Those others that are expecting payment, what is their mind assuming? What is upon what is their mind relying? So, in general, the other opinion says that only karka, only land, real estate is uh, bound in paying off debts because real estate is something that is always there. It doesn't move, and nothing can really ever happen to it to eliminate it, as opposed to something that's portable. It, could, it gets lost, or it's burnt, it's destroyed, and hence people, in general, don't think about portables as being their source of collection. But Rabbi Mayer, he says that portables are on people's mind as a source of collection, and hence, even the slave, the father in this case, was bound in order to pay off the ksuba. So that the chidish of this framed source is that uh, what, the, what we're telling you here is that this is also in accordance with Rebbe Meir. It ends up, it's the seifa of Rebbe Meir from the source before. And uh, and it's in, in accordance with Shita's Rebbe Meir that holds that metatolin portables are, are uh, bound, a lien is upon them for ksuba payments. The Iboya Seima, another approach is that it's not in accordance with Rebbe Meir per se, but r- rather, avda kimekarko domi, that avodim, even though physically speaking they're portables, in halachic terms they are viewed as land. And there is a basis for that in the scriptures, which we won't get into right now. But if you say that avodim, even though they might physically be portable, but nevertheless they're viewed halachically as land, you can understand why there is a lien upon them. And hence you have the son selling off his father, who is a slave, just like he would be able to sell off land in order to pay the ksuba uh, upon which the woman had uh, a lien on these properties. Before we continue, we glance at the side. We have a no say. The topic heading reads, Isha Shnisare Vloda Bavlad Kalosa. A woman whose child got mixed up with the child of her daughter-in-law. In other words, a woman and her daughter-in-law were both uh, bearing children in, in, in this, at the same time, in the same uh, hidden place. And uh, they got mixed up. How should we proceed with regard to matters of Yibum and Chalitza? So let's take a look at the Mishnah and uh, we might take advantage of a diagram in order to help us along as well. The Mishnah says, Ha'isha Shinisarev Vloda Bevlad Kalosa. As we said, a woman and her daughter in law, her, her son's wife, but the birthing is a is a woman's issue. So you have these two women that uh, are bearing children that got mixed up. Higdilu hatarovas v'nasu So these two children grew up, matured, became adult, and they married women. 
Umesu, and they died, leaving no children. Uh, the uh, use of the diamonds here is to uh, describe t- the two situations when it comes to, uh, we'll say, the, the death, who is dying. So, Mesu B'nai Hakala. Let's, let's, let's uh, retract that. Mesu. The, uh, the men that had married these was a mixed up. Uh, the the uh, men that had been mixed up that married these women. Now these men died. B'nai Hakala. Uh, other children of that daughter-in-law. You have a situation where her, her son, the, the Kala's son, that she, again, she's not sure which one is actually her son, but we know that her son had married a woman. And her son died, uh, leaving, uh, uh, leaving uh, no children. So, uh, the other son, i.e. his brother, has to do something as far as uh, Halitza. But he doesn't know which one was married to his brother because the the brothers had been mixed up. So the Bnei Hakala Cholzin Velo Miabin, the the son of the Kala will have only uh, Chalitza as an option. He cannot do Yibum. Why not? Shuhu Safek Eishes Achiv. He happens to be. Uh, the, the doubt here is that each girl is either the wife of his brother that would be okay if it was the wife of his brother here is where the problem is the girl that he's looking at might have been married not to his own brother but to his father's brother a woman married to one's father's brother she's actually in the Torah referred to by the term Doda and she's strictly forbidden so looking at things from the uh, other children of the Kala the only option is Chalitza Yibom cannot be done B'nai Hazekena the other children of the uh, uh, the mother they they have both options open to them the woman might be might be the widow of his brother which would be the mitzvah yibum, or she might be the widow of the son of his brother we'll now take a look at the uh, well, let's take a look at the uh, diagram that we have. You have a uh, Isha, and she has uh, she has one Ben who's also married to an Isha. That's the Kala, and that Isha, the original mother, has uh, another child that's encircled like you see the Kala also having a child that's encircled. These are children that were born in the cave and got mixed up. The Both 
women in this uh, story, the, the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law, you notice have another child that we have in a diamond. So now, what happens? The mixed-up children, the children that are now are in circles, they married women, they died leaving no children. The Ben, who's uh, in a diamond with the uh, bottom that's shaded in, that child, that fellow, cannot do Yibum. Why not? Well, he doesn't know the is the, the woman that he would be doing Yibum with, is that the wife of his brother? That would be great, but he doesn't know that. It might be the wife of... Of whom? It might be the wife of his father's brother. Notice the ben, that diamond Ben on our in our diagram. His father had a brother. One of the one of his brothers was the fellow that was in in the mix-up. So that the the woman might be not his own brother's wife, but his father's brother's wife. So that particular Ben cannot do evil. On the other hand, the Ben that's uh, uh, featured with the diamond with the tip shaded on top, let's analyze that. When confronting any given woman, the woman might be his brother's wife, but he's not sure if it's his brother's wife because his, his, his brother was part of a mix-up. But it, it might be the wife of whom? It might be the wife of his brother's son. You notice that the, the fellow with the diamond in the tip, uh, the upper tip shaded in, so he has a brother. His brother was married to the Kala. That means that they had, that Ben and the Isha, the Kala, they had a son. How do we describe the son right now? He is the, the son of his brother and we're dealing with the wife so it's the wife of his brother's son that's a, a, a that's a, a relationship that is mutter it's allowed for a man to marry the the wife of his nephew so let's go back to the Mishnah up till now we had the uh, the mix-ups getting uh, the mix-ups dying that's what we featured on our chart the mix-ups had died and in our case we in the next case the, the Mishnah the next diamond in the Mishnah Mesu Hakshirim here we have to imagine a situation where the uh, in in in, the, in our original chart you had fellows in a in a diamond. These were the, the Mishnah calls them Ksher, and this is a, a question the Mishnah will deal with later. But for our purposes, these are known, uh, these are children who know who their parents are. There is no mix up involved here. But they died in this new scenario. They died leaving no children. They have brothers. However, the, the issue here is the brothers that survive. And if you were to if we were to refer back to our original chart, those are the fellows that are encircled, and in this case they're the ones that remain alive. 
they have to do something. They have to do something to release the wives of their of their we'll call their the the fellows who knew who never got mixed up. So Hataruvos, what are they gonna do? So that the when it comes to these uh, these two fellows that are part of the mix-up, there is no option in marrying the widow of the uh, the son of the original mother. That's not an option. Why? Because as far as these mix-ups are concerned, Shu Sofek Achiv, it might be the widow of his brother. However, it's also Vieshes Achiyoviv. It might be the widow of the brother of your father. And that woman, as we said before, is strictly forbidden. Livnei Hakala. Now, the, the mix-ups that uh, remained, with regard to the, mar- the married child of the Kala, so, Echod Cholets, the Echod Miyavim, one of the two mix-ups, will do Chalitza. Now, by doing Chalitza, from his standpoint, she might be, in fact, his own uh, Yavoma, and he's freeing her. It might be that she's not. But that's okay. With that having been done, the Echod Miyavim, the other fellow, but with with regard to the uh, B'nai Hazekena, after uh, after one of them, one of the mix-ups does Chalitza, so as we said, he's either doing Chalitza with, the, with his actual Yavama, thereby freeing her, and if not, so the other mix-up will be able to marry her because she is his actual Yavama. And from his standpoint, and if she was the other one's Yavama, but she already received Chalitza. We continue with a, a, new, a new situation. Uh, and on the side of the Gemara, we have a topic heading. Kohenes Shinis Arev Vloda Bevlad Shibchosa. A woman who's married to a Kohen, and she has a child. The child is a Kohen. And this woman bore her child at the same time that her bondmaid bore a child. The bondmaid's child is a slave. So you have two children who will grow up not knowing their true identity. I'm either a coin or a slave. How should they conduct themselves with matters that are relevant to the priesthood, to kahuna? Kohenes, we continue back in the text, second line from the bottom. Kohenes shenisarev vlado bevlad shikosa. A woman married to a kohen who bore, bore a child. The child will be a kohen, and the birth took place at the same time that her slave or bondmaid was bearing a child, and they got mixed up. Hareilu oichlin betruma. The two offspring, the two children, are entitled to truma. The Kohen one obviously is entitled to Truma. Truma is the tithe that a person separates uh, from his crops and gives to Kohanim, and only Kohanim are allowed to eat it. 
However, not, when we say not, we say only Kohanim are allowed to eat it, that happens to include Kohanim and their possessions. A Kohen's uh, slave, for example, is entitled to eat Truma as well. So either way, Truma is, is okay. The Cholkim Chelek Echod Begorin. The Gorin is the granary. That's the site at which Truma was distributed. What does that mean? They, they, they receive one portion of the granary. The Gemara will deal with that later. We continue on the top of Omid Beis. The Anon Metamin Lemesin. If a, uh, a Kohen, as everyone knows, is prohibited in exposing himself to defilement to the dead. That's called Tumas Mason. There, neither one is allowed to expose themselves to Tumas Mace because each one might be a Kohen. The slave of a Kohen, if he knew who he was, a slave is allowed to become Tome to Mason, but in our case, we, the, neither one knows his true identity. The Anon Noisin Noshim, Bank Sheros Bank Sulos, they cannot marry as things stand right now because. A fellow is going to marry a, a woman that's kosher, uh, a regular Jewess, but he might be a slave, and the slave's not allowed to marry a Jewess. The fellow that, the other, the, he might be a Kohen. Well, if he's a Kohen, he's not allowed to marry a Shifcha. He can't marry a, a Mamzer, a Shifcha. He has, great, has restrictions upon whom he can marry. So, neither one can get married. Higdilu HaTaruvos. When they grow, they become adult. Vishikru Ze and then they freed one another. One is the one is in effect the, the owner and the other one is the slave, but neither one knows who is whom. So each one frees the other. Now with that having been done, you have two Jewish people. One is a real Kohen, and the other one would be considered, we'll say, a convert or a slave that was freed having, we'll say, a convert status. As a result, there, there is a marriage possibility, however, there are limitations. Noisim noshim They can marry women, provided they are women that would be able to marry a Kohen. Once again, each one might be an actual Kohen, so neither one of these fellows can marry, let us say, a divorcee. A divorcee is someone not, uh, who is disqualified from marrying into the priesthood, into the kuna. V'enon mitamin lemesin. They, as we saw before, they're not allowed to expose themselves to defilement of the dead. V'im nitmu, and if they did, enon soifkin harbon. If they did so deliberately, they, on the other hand, would not be subject to lashing which would be the punishment for a known Kohen who deliberately defiled himself to the dead. But you can't lash someone if you are doing so with an element of doubt. You have to know for sure that he violated the halacha. Not only that, he has to receive a warning, and the warning must be stated in definite terms, not in doubtful terms, so that the punishment of lashing cannot be applied as a result of uh, even, let's say, deliberate uh, defilement to the dead on their part. The Anon Oichlin Betruma. Being that they were freed, there was that the one that was a slave is freed, he's no longer the possession of the Kohen. So the fellow who 
who was in fact freed is not allowed to eat shum of that as, as a result neither one Kini Shum goes neither one knows if he is the one that was freed as a freed person he's not as we said he's not the possession of the Kohen he's uh, considered a Yisrael and Yisrael is not allowed to eat Shuma if they ate Shuma they do not pay uh, what uh, what uh, ordinarily a Yisrael who ate Shuma would have to pay if a non-Kohen ate Shuma a known non-Kohen he has to pay the principal and add a fifth not so over here because each one is claiming I'm a Kohen they don't receive a portion of Truma at the granary we don't give them Truma why? because each one might in fact be a Yisrael not entitled to receive Truma again when we say Yisrael we're talking about the fellow that was the slave that had been freed Umochrin es HaTruma if they have their own property and as a result they not knowing if he's really a coin or not so they will tie they set aside the truma but the, as opposed to reg, regular situations where a person has truma a truma tie separate from his produce he has to give it to a coin not so over here they, they true they can't eat it as we said but they don't give it away they can sell it they sell it to a known Kohen. Vadomim Shalem, the money they get, they keep. The Anon Chokin Bekoche Hamikdash. They don't get portions of sacrifices offered in the base Hamikdash. Only a true Kohen gets a portion, not a doubtful Kohen. The Ain Noislem Kochim, and we don't give to them uh, sacrifices to offer to, to offer in the Beis Hamikdash. Only a, a, a known Kohen can serve in the Beis Hamikdash, not someone that's doubtful. And if they were, if a Kohen, let us say, had a sacrificial obligation, we do not force them to present it to the current service group in the Beis Hamikdash. The Rashi gives a great deal of background to this particular era of halacha, but we'll try just very briefly to say that a, uh, people who have a sacrificial obligation, when they separate, when they dedicate their sacrifice, they have to bring it to the current service group in the Beis Hamikdash. They, uh, a, a, a person from the rank and file population, don't have much leeway. It's given to that service group that's serving that week in the Beis Hamikdash. A kohen is entitled by the Torah, an actual Kohen is not obligated to give it to the current service group he can offer it on his own um, he can choose to whom to uh, uh, to have it offered so therefore, each one claims that he's a real Kohen, so we can't take away from them or extricate from them their sacrifices in order for it to be offered by this current week's service group rather as we said they have leeway in, in determining who shall do the actual offering when one sa- uh, slaughters mundane uh, meat their, one's own, one's own uh, uh, meat for personal consumption we'll, say, we'll talk about non-sacrificial meat it's called chulin even from chulin animals 
there is a part of the animal, several parts that are destined to the Kohanim. One has to tithe, one has to give them, separate them, and give them to the Kohanim, once again, as is uh, legislated by the Torah. That's what the Mishnah refers to now. Ufturin min hazroa The zroa, the arm, the lachayim, the cheek, the keva, uh, the stomach of animals, is the, the portions of all slaughtered animals given to Kohanim uh, outside of the Beis HaMikdash. These fellows, when they slaughter an animal, each one claims he is a Kohen. So he doesn't have to give this. This is in the realm, by the way, of mominous, of monetary matters, not kotshim, not holy matters. So they are entitled to keep it. If you want to take it away from me, claiming that I'm not the coin, so you have to bring proof. We see how motzi mechavero olav haraya. If you want to uh, extract from someone uh, money or property, you have to bring proof that you have a right to take it. Bechor is a firstborn male animal. In general, uh, a non-Kohen who has a firstborn uh, kosher variety male animal uh, gives it to the Kohen. The Kohen brings it to the base Amigdash and offers it as a sacrifice. And it belongs to the Kohen. Here we're dealing with people that are Safe Kohanim. So if they have a Bechor born in their herd, they keep it. However, they can't offer it as a sacrifice, because they themselves are not, are, are, are possibly not Kohanim. So they have it grazed until it Yistoyev means until it develops a blemish. And as such, it can then be slaughtered outside the base of Migdash uh, and eaten as uh, personal meat. The noisim of Chomrei Kohanim Yisrael, and we apply to them the stringencies that are relevant to Kaihanim and relevant to Yisraelim. This is a phrase that will be discussed later in the Gemara. Mesu Hakshirim. Now, this is a term that we saw in the Mishnah. And in, our, in terms of our markings, you can see that was the second diamond at the lower part of, you can see at the lower part of Omid Aleph and the Gemara asks, the term Kshayrim will is often used in contrast to Psulim. Psulim means people that are disqualified. So in the story featured in the Mishnah, again, if you need, you can certainly refer back to the, the diagram that we had. So in, in that story... So you had if you had fellows that you had children that were mixed up, and you had children that uh, were known to their parents. So at this section of the Mishnah, it spoke about the known children that had been married, died, leaving no children. They were called the Kshirim. So what does that what does that leave you to say about the the other ones, the mixed up ones? Well, if these are called Kshirim, then the mixed up ones would be called Psulim. So the Gemara asks about that. The others, just because they got mixed up, are they considered disqualified? They're considered unfit individuals? That's not true. Since the ones that got mixed up can't be termed as disqualified or unfit, it's not accurate to then describe the known sons as Kshirim. Rather, 
describe them as vadoyim, the certain ones. And so in the second part of the mission, the second diamond, there it featured a case where the certain sons uh, had died, the, the sons who knew who their parents were, they died leaving no children, and then the mission went on to describe what is the role of the, uh, the surviving brothers who were in fact part of the mix-up. Livnei hakalo echod cholets the echod miyabe. And we saw this in the mission as well, that with regard to the uh, children of the Kala, of the daughter-in-law, the son of the daughter-in-law, the, the known son of the daughter-in-law that died leaving no children, the, uh, with regard to the mix-ups, so one will do Chalitza, and the other will do Yibum. And here, as we've seen in the past, the order is very significant. It has to be first in that order that Chalitz is done and then Yibum. But for one of the mix-ups to do Yibum before any Chalitz is done, that cannot be. Why not? Because there is a possibility that he will be marrying not the wife of his brother, but the wife that, uh, of the other one. Whereas we're dealing with the B'nai Kala, so you'll have the, uh, these are the, uh, the uh, senior, uh, the, let me say, the, the, in, the, in the case of the mix-up, you might have uh, marriage, Yibum, taking place with someone that is not, uh, is not really the wife of your brother. So that we want to make sure that uh, if you are marrying the woman that's not the wife of your brother, that she actually had received chalitza from the other one, freeing her. We continue in the Gemara. Kohenes shenis arev, and it, we went on to describe a case of a uh, kohen that got mixed up with a slave, and it said Cholkin Chelek Echad Begorin so the Gemara says Chelek Echad Pshita they get one portion that's obvious one is a Kohen and the other is the slave of the Kohen the slave of the Kohen simply eats Shuma not on his own merit but he receives he receives uh, the food from his master so there's only one portion to be given out over here why does the Mishnah have to tell us that Ema Chelek and here we look at Rashi. Uh, we're looking at Rashi under the Gemara text, the fourth line in Rashi. If they come together, so they can get a portion of Truma. But if they come by themselves, they cannot get a portion. The Kosovar Ein Cholkin Rashi goes on to say because Ein Cholkin Truma Leeved Elim Kain Raboy Imoy. We don't give Truma to the Eved of a coin, even though the Eved of a coin is someone who is entitled to eat Truma. He does not get a portion. He doesn't get a. He's not part of the formal distribution uh, 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 of of Truma. 
So he doesn't get, uh, he can't appear at the distribution site and claim a portion on behalf of his master. Unless LMK Rabu Imo, unless his master is with him. Dilma Asil Asukil Yuxin the Savri Koyenu, because otherwise, if the master is not there, if he comes on his own, people will think that he's a real Kohen. And they're going to consider him uh, of, of uh, genealogical purity uh, as a Kohen. And we don't want that mistake to arise. So, being that each one of these is a Suffolk Kohen, is a Suffolk, I should say, a Suffolk slave, he cannot get Truma on his own. And hence, the Gemara said, Chile Ke'echad. Now, Tanan, Kemand Omar, so our Mishnah then is teaching in accordance with the opinion that says, Ein Chok and Truma Li'eved Ela Im Kain Rabo Imo. Truma is not given to the slave of a coin unless the master is with him. Desanya, and this point is actually a Machlokes Tanoim. Our Mishnah then representing one of those two opinions. On the side of the Gemara, you can see under the Nosei heading, we've written Chalukas Truma Li'evet Shel Kohen, the distribution of Truma to the slave of a Kohen, Bagoren at the granary. Machlokes Tanoim Im Noisen Lo Beli Shiehei Rabo Imo. Do we give to him without his master present? So our the source we uh, read is the Sanya Ein Cholkin Trumula Eved Elon Kain Rabu Imo Div Rabbi Yehuda. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. The master must be with him. A slave cannot come on his own to get a portion, get a portion on behalf of his master. Rabbi Yosi Omer. Rabbi Yosi disagrees. Yochel Shiomar, the slave of a coin, can say, "Im Koyenani." If I am, and we should say. Uh, certainly in this this description will be very relevant to our case where there was a mix-up. The fellow can say, Im Kohen Ani Tanu Libishvilatsmi. If I'm the am I a real Kohen, then give me because I have it I deserve it in my own merit. And if I happen to be the slave of a Kohen, Tanu Libishvil Rabbi, give me a portion on behalf of my master. So according to Rabbi Huda, there's no, uh, there is no uh, legal acceptance of a slave showing up at a distribution, at a truma distribution point. According to Rabbi Yossi, a slave can show up. With this information, we proceed. In Rabbi Huda's locale, Hoyumalin mitruma liuchsin. Malin literally is to raise up, but it means that we would come to halachic conclusions, legal conclusions concerning someone's uh, family status. Yichus, yuchasin has to do with family background, uh, uh, family descent. So in the, in the community of Rebuda, they would come to conclusions based on the receipt of Truma and conclude, ah, oh, if he is receiving a portion of Truma, he is a definite Kohen. How could they come to such a conclusion? Because in Rebuda's realm, Truma would not be given to someone who is a non-Kohen, would not be given to an Eved, to a slave. In the town of Rebiosi, where Truma is being distributed, and you see someone receiving it, you couldn't come to any conclusions regarding the purity of that individual, the priest, priestly status of the individual, because it could be a slave that's receiving it. 
Tanya, Omar Rebelozer Rebsodik. Rebelozer tells us, Miyomai Lohe Aditi Elo Edu Sechod. There's a section that we have in uh, brackets, uh, and we skip that because the Gemara will take to task that which is in the text that's in the, in the brackets. So he says, I, I never testified uh, except for on one occasion, and Bikshulalo Zephid Lekunal Pi. And uh, as a result of that one time that I testified, they they almost they there was there was thought to uh, classify an Evid as a as a Kohen. Now what what happened there? Chaza be'asrei Rabbi Rabbi had seen someone receiving truma, and he saw that in Rabbi Yossi's locale. And Rabbi Yossi said, he testified about this individual who received truma. He shared that information in Rabbi Yudah's locale. Now, in Rabbi Yudah's locale, they take truma receipt very seriously. They take that as an indication that the receiver was a Kohen. So, but the, the the problem in this story is quite obvious. The, the 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 root of the problem is is that the initial sighting, the initial witnessing of the receipt of the truma was in Rabbiosi's locale, where even avodim were given truma. Now we we skipped a section. Uh, so let's go back over the source. So says, "In all my days, I didn't testify except for one occasion." And in the brackets, And as a result of my testimony, a kohen, uh, a uh, an eved was declared a kohen. In other words, mistakenly. So the Gemara asks with a tone of wonderment. Hello, Salka Daitoch. Do you do you think that that that's what, that that actually took place? The next uh, section, you can see, we have an internal brackets, an angular brackets. According to Tesis, this shouldn't be here, and the Bach makes reference to that. But we're going to read it. Rashi seems to comment on it, so it's. Uh, as far as Rashi seems it's part of the text what's the wonderment based on? the wonderment is based on the idea that when it comes to the righteous and in this case Reb Lozer is a righteous individual when it comes to the righteous we know that the Almighty prevents pr- uh, mistakes even through the animals of the righteous so if the animals of the righteous are protected from uh, some, from wrongdoing, all the more so the righteous themselves, the people, the, the righteous people will be protected from any stumbling. So that the Gemara is, uh, is, is wondering how could it possibly be that as a result of Rebbe Sodak, uh, some guys was falsely uh, in, uh, uh, ascribed uh, kahuna status. So let's re- see. What's the here is the wonderment. Mind you, the animals of the righteous, the Almighty protects them from takola, from stumbling. Al lo As far as the Almighty's 
protection of the righteous themselves, all the more so. Elo Amo, but rather the more accurate version of the story is Bikshulalo Sefid Lakunalpi. They there was a there was thought. It didn't come to be, but there was thought to ascribe Kahuna status to an Aved. What happened? Chazal Biasri Rabiosi, he saw Truma, he saw this guy receiving Truma in Rabiosi's town. He also asked Biasri Rabiuda, and he went in, he, and Rabiosi went to Rabiuda's town and told the story about so and so receiving Truma. So naturally, in Rabiuda's town, they said, if you receive Truma, you must be a real Kohen. Tono Rabonan. Before we continue with the Gomorrah text, we glance at the side under the Nosei, the topic heading, we read Rishima Shel Elu Shein Chokalim Truma Beveis Agronis the Loma. We're going to see a list of people who are not to receive a Truma portion at the formal Truma distribution site. And the list. Uh, is featured in this Tanaic source and afterwards the Gemara will deal with the reasons behind it Truma one should realize is a of course it's a tithe from one's produce and it also has an element of sanctity to it that's important to say at the outset there's an element of sanctity it's not uh, simply a uh, mundane food uh, that we would call chulin but in many places you can see the term kochim associated with Truma so that uh, by way of introduction, should, should be, uh, uh, hold us in good stead. Tonu Rabbonan, Asora ein cholkim lehem truma beis There are ten that are not to receive truma at the truma distribution site. Now, don't make any mistake about this. We're not make, we're not saying that they don't eat from truma, but we're saying they are not to be the formal receivers of truma at the distribution site. And who are they? Eluhim, Cheresh, the deaf mute, shoit, an imbecile, cotton, a minor, Tumtum, an individual whose uh, gender organs are not visible, Vandragon is someone who has dual gender organs, Voever, the slave, Voisha, the woman, Voorel, the uncircumcised, Vatome, someone who is defiled, Venose, Isha, Sheena, Hygenis, Lo, or a Kohen. That happened to marry a woman that he shouldn't have married. Someone who's a woman who has been disqualified from the kunai. I guess he couldn't uh, overcome his infatuation with a particular woman. Turns out she's a divorcee, but he in, in, insisted on marrying her anyway. He is called a man that married a woman that's Eino Hoygeneslo. The Chulon Mishagrin Lahem Lebotayim. We have this list of people. It will, with regard to most of them, we will mishagra means we'll send truma to their homes, and they can eat it. Uh, amongst them is an orel. Now, an orel, uh, he is not allowed to eat truma, but he can give it to his wife or his slaves. So, most of the people in this can receive are, are will will have truma sent to them in their homes. Chutzmi tome. With the exception of numbers 9 and 10 in the list, which will be explained later why that is. I understand that we don't distribute por- uh, truma portions to these people, the Cheresh, 
the deaf mute, the shaita, the imbecile, the cotton, the minor, they are not people of, we'll say, of fully sound mind. They're not b'nei dea. Dea means, means uh, thought and, and uh, mindfulness, awareness. And Rashi adds at the bottom line, v'ziluso de truma v'chaliklen b'gorin li'ayin kol. It's considered disparaging to the Trumas. We, that's why we mentioned earlier the Truma should be viewed through the eyes of holiness. It's disparaging to Truma to have them uh, receive a portion of Truma in, in full public view, which would be the case at the granary. Tumtum Vandroginus regarding those two uh, people that are, say, gender uh, affected. So, Nami, they too, Brio, Bifnei, we're at the top of the Avkufam and Aleph, Brio, Bifnei, Atzma, Ninu. Rashi says at the top, Brio, Bifnei, Atzma, they're considered unique creatures. And it's considered an insult, a disparagement to Kachem, to give people like that. Uh, of course, it's no fault of their own, etc. But when you're dealing with, with matters of sanctity, of holiness, there is a, a certain, we'll say, uh, high level of propriety and uh, uh, honor uh, that must be bestowed unto the, uh, the, 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 the matter at hand, matter concerned of Kochim, in this case the Truma. So, because of their defect, they, they are considered uh, it's considered a disparagement for, Truma, for them to be standing there in full public view receiving Truma. Eved Nami, Dilma Osila Sukimi Truma Liuchsen. And Eved also is not to receive a portion at the distribution site, at the Goren, because people might mistakenly come to conclude that he is a formal Kohen, he's a real pure Kohen. That's Lasuke means to raise up Mitruma from the receipt of Truma to Yuchasin to a uh, genealogical uh, uh, family descent status. Orel Vitome Mishum de Meisi. These individuals are called Mos. Mos in English is something that we translate often as disgusting. It's disparaging for an Orel. To have, it's disparaging to the truma for an orel or a tome to receive it, uh, receive it at the distribution site. The kohen who married a woman unfit to him, also mishum knosa. That's a fine that we impose on him. So we've accounted for most of the people in the list. isha, my time alone. Why? Why a, a woman? Why is it that a woman? cannot appear at the granary to receive a portion of truma. Rav Popov, Rav Rav have two opinions. One says because a grusha grusha is a reference to a divorcee. A woman who is who was married to a Kohen, so she's entitled to receive truma. However, if she's divorced She's no longer entitled to eat truma, assuming, of course, that she's not a daughter of a Kohen. She, she uh, loses the truma. She was eating in the merit of her husband, the Kohen. But if she's divorced, she's no longer, the, the, she's no longer married to a Kohen. Now, the problem, if women were to receive truma, a, a, any particular woman might be divorced from her 
Kohen husband, and at that point she's not fit to receive Truma. And uh, people don't necessarily know that. And she will receive something that is not due to her. So we don't want women uh, showing up at the Truma distribution site. The other opinion, the, the problem of a woman being in private, in seclusion with another man. That could be a problem. And hence, we don't want women going to the granary to receive truma, to uh, subject themselves to a problem of being secluded with another man. My binayu, what will be the point of difference between these two explanations? Eko binayu, a, an example where you'll see a point of difference between these, a, 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 a practical point of difference, is there is a difference between them. A beidori is a greenery that's close to town, but it's not frequented by people. So if it's close to town, so the issue of people not knowing her marital status is unlikely. They will know if she has been divorced. So if your whole concern is because of uh, people not knowing if she was this, in this case a woman could show up however it's described also as a place that the free public doesn't frequent so if your main concern is the concern of Yehud if that's what you're concerned about so a woman would not be allowed to show up at a Beidori that's Mikrov the Masa but Lo Shechibu Inchi Inami another point of difference would be Demerachak a granary that's at a distance from town but it's frequented by the masses lots of people are there all the time so if your main concern was the uh, your main hesitation to giving to women was because of the lack of knowing her marital status that will be a problem over here because it's far from town people out, out there don't know what her status is However, as far as a Yichud problem, that's not so over here. V'kulon mishagun lahem l'bateyem chutz mitomei v'noise isha shenei This is a quote from what we saw on Sadi Tesome Beis. You can uh, use the star that you see to the side and see where the quote is coming from. We saw in the source that all the people that don't show up, are, are not to show up at the granary, do or are nevertheless entitled to have it sent to their homes, except Chutzmitome, except for the defiled. Uh, that's a there's a fine upon him for not having been careful not to become defiled, and likewise someone who married a woman that is not fit for him. Avol Oriel Mishagrinon lay. The uncircumcised though. True, he doesn't show up at the granary, but he is entitled to have a, p- a portion of Truma sent to his home. He's a Kohen that's uncircumcised. My time, why is he entitled to that? Mishum Donis, because his lack of circumcision is a function of something beyond his control. He's a fellow that had two brothers of his that previously circumcised and died. The Gemara asks, Tomei Nami Ha'onis, a person who became defiled, he may very well have been, become defiled through uh, circumstances that uh, were beyond his control. In other words, he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't looking to become defiled. The Gemara says, Hai nofish 
In the case of the Oriel, Nafish means uh, a lot. Onse, his, his onus, the circumstances that were beyond his control were very much beyond his control. Two of his brothers died. That sets a, a precedent for a, a, a life-threatening situation. What in the world could he possibly have done about that? Totally beyond his control. That's nofish on say, totally beyond his control. Therefore, there's no reason for us to impose any uh, restriction upon him. However, someone who became Tomei, no nofish on say, it wasn't so beyond his control. Yeah, a person might have been able to uh, exercise a little more precaution and avoid the Tomei, and therefore, he is not entitled to have the Trumas even sent to his home. Tonu Rabbonon. Ho'eved vo'isha ain cholken lem truma beis A slave and a woman are not to receive a portion of truma at the granary. Uvemokam shecholken noislishatchila ufotrin osa miad. And where they do distribute, the woman is to receive first and then set uh, and then uh, set away, set, sent free. In other words, you, she got her portion, now you can go home. And that, we do that immediately. This source doesn't make any sense, though. My Omar. What is this source saying? You start off by saying that women, slaves and women, don't get truma at the base of Gronus. So, so they don't get at the base of Gronus. So how can it go on saying, and where they do get? Hochi Omar. The source is to be understood as follows. Rashi adds that the phrase in the source of Vemokam Shecholkin, that phrase is not a reference to Truma at all. It's a reference to something else. And Hachikomar thusly it is saying, Meiser Oni, Hamishalek Besochabayas, Meiser Oni, that's a tithe of 10% of one's produce separated on the third and sixth year of the seven year sabbatical cycle and given to the poor a woman who is poor is entitled to this tithe the Maisrani so this is another we'll say woman uh, eligible tithe Maisrani which is divided not at a granary it's Mishalik Besoch Beso so when the when this uh, the source said uvemokum shecholkin, it's a reference to uh, the distribution of meiser oni that is distributed to women because it's distributed from people's homes. So when a woman shows up for a meiser oni tithe receipt, noisnin leishatchila. If there are other people there, the and there's some men several men and a woman, even though she may have come in a little later, she goes to the front of the line. We give to her first. My time on Mishum Zilusa. Why is that? Because of the uh, disparagement involved. And look at the, the extreme sensitivity of the Chazal, something that I dare say, if I'm entitled to uh, just an editorial comment, the the, uh, the, the, you find that in certain sections, uh, certain groups of people have a, have a, have a massive uh, misunderstanding of the Torah and its attitude toward women, as is often presented in popular terms. Uh, to quite to the contrary of certain public of certain public images, the the Torah is extremely concerned about the dignity afforded to women, and it's considered undignified. 
It's considered disparaging to a woman to have her standing around, waiting in line, uh, certainly in a, amongst a group of other men. So in order to preserve her dignity, she goes to the front of the line. That's what we're saying. Because of the zilusa, the otherwise, the, the cheapening of her, the disparagement uh, that she would experience, because of that, she gets first. Omar Rava. At first, when a woman, when a, a gavra is a man and a woman, each one, there's a man and a woman, but each one having their own legal cases. A man and his, the litigant opposite him, and a woman with her uh, litigant opposite her, when they would come to me uh, for judgment. Rava was a dayan, was a judge. I would, I would first uh, turn my attention to solve the, the man's case. Amino, I was figuring that a man has more mitzvahs uh, in practical terms to fulfill than a woman. And I might add the, the primary mitzvah that is, um, that is duty bound upon a man and not upon a woman is the study of Torah. So, because of the, man, the urgency of the man to finish the case and get back to his mitzvah performance, I would, Rava says, I would therefore deal with the man's case first. However, when I heard this, this uh, brisa that speaks about the distribution of the Maiser Oni, we give to the woman first, because we, we're, it's important for us to preserve her dignity. Oh, I would then solve the case that the woman was bringing to the court first. I would deal with her case first. My time off. Why is that? Because of what would otherwise be a disparaging of the woman for her to have to sit around and wait for for the other case to be dealt with before hers.